Today we have a very special guest with us. It's, he's a, he's a, been a great friend of mine for, for many years. I've known him for a long time. Matter of fact, I've known him since he was born, literally. I was two years old when he was born, and my mother brought him home and put him in my lap and said, this is your baby. And I remember holding him when I was two years old, and he was newborn. Uh, he's my younger brother, Joshua. And uh, he's the better-looking version of me, um, skinnier, uh, more attractive. He retained the boyish good looks. And uh, his wife, Ruth, is here. Stand up, Ruth, just so everybody could see you. She's holding their son, Malachi. Malachi, and, uh, Malachi the prophet Malachi, is here. And it's, it's prophetic because my brother's preaching out of the prophecy of Malachi today. And uh, also his daughters, Callista, Alana, and Isabella, are here. He and his four children and his beautiful wife. They are going to be moving to the Anacostia uh, area of Washington, D.C. in just a couple of weeks to plant a church there. And doing, they're going to be doing a phenomenal work there, and they've been servants of the Lord for many years. And uh, we've never had the opportunity to hear from my brother Josh. And so I asked him before he goes to come and just to share a word with us that would encourage us and build us up so that we can partake in his ministry and uh, just hear what the Lord has to say to us. And I know he's got a powerful word from the Lord because I heard it in first service. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my brother, Joshua, Pastor Joshua Robinson. Amen. Amen. It really is a, a, an honor and a privilege to be here this morning with all of you, all these wonderful people. I, we've been here a few times. Uh, in church with you guys, and there, there's just something about this church. There's something about what God is doing in, in Emeryville in this church. There's just su- su- such a, a strong uh, power. Uh, it's marked by his presence. And when you come and, and when you worship God, it's, it's not just about putting on a show. It's not just about uh, coming to dance around and do something that's going to be fun and do something that... that that you're going to go home and say, whoo, I had a good time there, and then go about your life. No, it's something that is life-changing every Sunday. Uh, I have a couple of, uh, of people that have been um, in my life in Fresno, uh, Demetrius and Taylor, that God has allowed me to uh, disciple and to, uh, to speak into their life. Um, and it's amazing how when God desires to raise up some Elishas in this generation, yeah. how, how he lays it on the heart of an Elijah. Yeah. And a couple years ago, God just laid it in my heart, just dropped it in my spirit. We were at a, a youth conference that God is raising up some Elishas. Yeah. How many are under uh, 25 in the house this morning? Raise your hand, under 25. <laughs> under 25, amen, amen. How about under 30? Under 30, raise your hand. I believe that God is calling... Those that uh, are young, those that are just starting out, those that are, are in youth, God is calling them not just to sit in the body. God's not calling some people to come to church on Sunday. God's calling to some Elishas to be raised up, some prophets of the Lord that would be raised up in the body, that would speak the word of the Lord to the body, to speak the truth of the Lord to, to the body. I believe that God is doing that in this very house. And as I was preparing this message... As I, was, as I was reading in, in Malachi, I felt like uh, the word was depressing. I felt like uh, the, the word was a little bit discouraging. I said, God, you don't want me to preach that. 
God, please don't make me preach that. Malachi starts talking about uh, God, God is calling out some things in the body. God's calling out some things that are, that are wrong with the body. And I said, God, you don't want me to preach that to this body. But then he brought me to, to chapter 3 at the end where he calls the faithful, where he calls those that are precious, those that are, that are uh, his remnant in the body. And he said, that's, that's this body. And then I got encouraged and I got excited about the word of the Lord to bring to you this morning. As we get ready to embark on our journey, it's something special to just hear God say, go and do, and then you just answer and you go and do. God, God has taken us through a long journey to get to that point where he could say, go and do, and then we say, okay, God, where are you going to lead us? God took us through a journey where we, we served at a church for uh, the last 11 years, and we were in a ministry that actually failed, that actually uh, went to a point where it was just us and a, a couple other families in the church. And through that process, God taught us about submission. Through that process, God taught us what it means to serve. Through that process, God, God spoke to us and, and said, submit to that pastor. I was at a, uh, a conference a couple years back uh, with my brother and Sonny, and they were, they were leading the conference. And I remember just sharing with my brother and sharing my heart about how I wanted a father. He was talking about his spiritual father, Pastor Daniels, Bishop Daniels, powerful man of God, who has been pouring into this man of God and this woman of God, who has been just, he seeks the Lord for them. And I said, I want that. I want someone that's going to do that for me and my wife. And I remember what my brother said. He said, it's not your job to change him. It's your job to submit. It's your job to come under his covering. And it was amazing how when we came under his covering, how we submitted to the man of God, that God had, the shepherd that God had placed in that body, how we, after we submitted to him, how God just began to move in our life and how God just began to transform us in ways that we could never imagine, that we never expected. It was amazing how we learned how to submit and how we learned what, what true service was. Yeah. We learned what true ministry was. Yeah. And God just shared with us that ministry is not about position. Ministry is about service. Ministry is about being a servant. Yeah. Ministry is about humbling yourself yeah. in God's house and saying, I will serve no matter where you want me, no matter what you call me to do, no matter what you have for me, I'm going to do it faithfully. Yeah. And I believe in this body, God is doing that. God is raising up some servants in this body that will be faithful to his call. And no matter how small it is, there was a, there was a time where God called me to bring donuts on Sunday. Yeah. Amen, church. Bring donuts on Sunday. And I, you know, for about six months, I kind of just, it was there. And I felt like God was speaking it to me. And I just kind of let it roll. And, and then one, one, one day I said, God, God just said, bring donuts on Sunday already. Come on, let's do it. I said, okay, I'm going to listen. So the next morning I got up and I went to the donut shop and I got the donuts. And on the way back, something broke inside of me. I said, wait, wait a minute. I'm answering the call of the Lord. It doesn't matter how small, how insignificant we see the things, how, how minuscule or how little we see it. God says, if you will be faithful in the small things, I'm going to give you some big things to do. And so God just, just touched us and, and, and used us in that church even as he was dying, even as all of the leadership left. Over about two months period, all the leadership left. Yeah. 
They all left, and it was just us. And the pastors met with us, and they were scared. They're like, you guys aren't going to leave too, are you? And that was after we had uh, been to the conference, and we said, no, we are here to submit. We submit to you. We will serve you. Whatever you need us to do, we're going to do it. Wherever you call us, we're going to go. If you need me to do this, you need me to come on a Saturday, you need me to come after work, we're going to come, and we're going to do whatever you call us to do. I remember one, one Wednesday, we... we uh, we had started doing youth group, and one Wednesday, I'm there vacuuming the floor. Vacuuming the floor on, on a Wednesday. And everybody, it was 9 o'clock at night. Most of the kids were gone. I'm vacuuming the floor, but I had, I had a joy in my heart. Yeah. I said, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. Where did that joy come from? Why am I having a joy vacuuming the floor? I could get one of these. One of these kids should be doing that. Demetrius, well, where were you at? You should have been there vacuuming the floor. Why was I there vacuuming the floor? But I was there vacuuming the floor with joy. Because I was doing ministry. That was ministry. I was doing service. I was serving the Lord. And it was a powerful moment. And so I don't look at what we're, we're getting ready to do as something of position. Or God's going to put me in a position of power. You know, a couple of weeks ago, God spoke to me and said, don't put your hands on this thing. You know, sometimes we like to, to, to take the vision and we like to put our hands on it. We say, this is my vision. This is what I'm going to do. And as I was talking with uh, this lady, Terry, who's over the Kids Connection, that's another part of the ministry that we're going to be a part. She said, there's been all these people that, that come in and they say, I'm going to start revival and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And she said, you know what was different about you? You never said, I'm going to do anything. Yeah. I said, no, the, the, the vision is God's. Yeah. He's giving us pieces of the vision. We just need to steward it. And as God has been giving us pieces of the vision and, and, and just sharing with us and saying, do this and, and do that and, and sharing these things with us, we're just trying to be good stewards of what God is calling us to do. And so this call to go to D.C., it's not really that big of a call because we learned how to serve by bringing donuts. We learned how to serve by vacuuming the floor. We learned how to serve by submitting to a leader. We learned how to serve in the house. And so God says, go. And it doesn't matter if he said, go down the street or if he said, go to Washington, D.C. We said, we're going to listen to what he's calling us to do. And so for this body, I feel that God has just given me a word that I just want to share with you guys. In Malachi, it's such an incredible parallel to what we see in the church today. God is calling out some things in the body that I believe are very important for us to understand in the body. The first thing that we see is that God is saying, you know, that he loves his people. But they're questioning. They're saying, well, how do you love us? Sometimes in the body, God, God is, calls us out and, and we say, well, what I do? <laughs> what I do? And throughout, the, throughout this past, throughout this book, that's what we see. God's saying, you're defiling the offering. Well, how do we defile the offering? God comes and says, you're robbing me with your, with your tithe. Well, how do we rob you with our tithes and offering? God says, you have these arrogant words. Well, how do we have arrogant words? We're always, complain- we're always complaining. Well, well, what did I do? It's not me. We're trying to point the finger at somebody else. But God's calling out some things in, in the body. God's calling out some things in the body. And he says he loves his people. Do we doubt that? If we doubt that, then we have no faith. Sometimes when we're going through struggles and trials and, and, and tribulations and things, we start to doubt. Like Peter, when he got out of the boat and he started walking, he wasn't walking on still water. He was walking on waves. He was walking on waves. And God called him out of the boat. He said, God, if, 
Jesus, if that's you, then call me. Call me to come. About to go sit back down. He said, come. He said, oh, snap. (laughs) Now I got to get out of the boat. And he gets out of the boat and he starts walking on waves and wind. And and all of this is around him. How how, how many of you know that that sometimes in the midst of your storm, God says, I'm not going to take you out. I'm going to bring you deeper. He says, I'm going to bring you deeper into the storm. I'm going to bring you deeper into the place where I'm at. And as he began to sink, as he began to go down, Jesus grabbed him. And yes, he said, oh, you have little faith. But you know what? I believe the spirit of him grabbing him was, I've got you. And God is speaking that to us, saying that although you're out of the boat, although you're walking on waves, and although the wind and the waves are hitting you, and you look at your situation, you get a little frustrated. God says, I've got you. I'm not going to let you sink. I've got you. He grabs us and he pulls us back up. And then he brings us back over to the boat. We get back in and all of a sudden the wind and the waves, they just calm down. All of us. It's amazing how when we're with Jesus, he calms the winds and the waves. We don't have to go and, and, and get on our face sometimes and, 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 and pray and, and seek God for, for days and, and weeks. And for one little thing, God says... When I'm in the boat, the winds and the waves will just, will calm. You don't have to stress. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to fear. I got you. As God begins to call out these things in the body, he starts talking about the, the sacrifices. He starts talking about the sacrifices that they were offering. You see, they, they weren't bringing their best As they were called to bring, they were bringing the lame and the defiled. They were bringing the blind. They said, get that blind sheep over there. That's no good. Get that that diseased sheep. We're going to bring that into the house of God. We can't eat it. I ain't getting conchus of the bonkus. I ain't getting no salmonella. We can't eat it. Let's bring it into God's house and we'll offer that. Let's offer our leftovers. Let's offer what we don't need. We see that in the body, people coming into his house and wanting to serve and wanting to be in position, and they're offering God their leftovers. You know, the third thing that we see, and, and this, is, this is something that, that um, hits home, is divorce. I have a buddy right now that uh, is going through a, a very rough time. He's been going through it for the last three years, and he's, he's on the brink. He's right on the brink. Of divorce. And you know, we see that in the body just as much as we see it in the world. There's no difference. It's the same. And we see it, and God is calling it out. Saying, Don't you know I hate divorce? Why why is it in the body? Why is it in my body? God is calling it out. And my heart breaks for, for my buddy who he's trying to keep his family together. He's doing Everything that he can to keep his family together. Everything. He's even willing to move across the country with her to where her family's at. And at first he was saying, well, we're not going to move if, you know, if you're going to leave me. And, you know, and God just convicted him. He said, no, do everything you can. And he said, I'll I'll move. I'll go across the country knowing that you might leave me there. But I'm going to do everything I can to keep my family together. You know, that's that's such a. Um, such a, a wicked thing where the enemy ha- is just destroying marriages in the body. He's taking, he's taking husbands and wives and, and 
putting things in front of their face where they say, oh, well, that might be better. You know, there's people who have this grass is always greener mentality. The grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, Yeah, I got some green grass over here, but the grass is always greener on the, the other side. But sometimes where you're standing in your marriage, the grass might not be green because you haven't worked at it. You know, marriage takes work. We got to work at this thing. We got to work. And the more we work, I remember uh, maybe about eight years ago. Well, that's pretty sad. About eight years ago, I had a green lawn. (laughs) Now I just got dirt and weeds. But about eight years ago, I said, I'm going to work at this thing. And I went out and I got that weed and feed and I put it on the ground and I I set up some sprinklers, some water and watered the, 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 the ground. All of a sudden, this green grass started coming up. This green grass. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful lawn. And I'd mow it. I'd get out there and mow it. And I, I'd make it look real nice. That was, that was about eight years ago. But it was beautiful. But it took work. I had to get out there and work at it. You know, I, had a, I have a, a, a couple that's in our youth group that just got married. And they're 19. They were dating for a month. Lord, I'm mercy. But, you know, we, we started counseling. We started meeting with them. We started just pouring into them. And, and they, they said, you know, thank you so much. Everyone else said, yeah, that's not going to work. You guys are going to fail. But you guys are the only ones that actually did something to pour into us. And we were sharing with them, look, it's not, it's not about this, this love that you, this, uh, this feeling of love that you might have now. But you're going to have to work at this. This is something that you are going to have to put work into if you want it to succeed. But if you put work into it, the grass is going to be green. Greener than anything you could ever imagine. Greener than what's on the other side. The enemy tries to put that, that green grass in front of us on the other side of the, of the, of the fence, on the other side of the, the, the gate. And say that, look, it's better out here. Look, it's, it's great out here. Just come on out. It's wonderful. And then when you get out there, you realize that the grass is not as green as you thought it was going to be. You get out there and you realize that, that the, the, the streams are, are dried up. That there's, that there's no water flowing. That it's dry and desolate. And you say, man, how did I get myself into this? But there's always opportunity. There's always grace. And there's always a chance for God to, to pull you back. And to restore what the enemy has broken. What the enemy has, has, has brought apart, God says, I'm going to bring it back together. In this house, God is, is doing some awesome things. God is doing some awesome things, and you guys will be marked by several, several things in this body. You know, as we go on in this passage, it, it talks about robbing God with our tithes and our offering. You know, I was, I was talking with a... Uh, uh, a guy once, and he was talking about his church, and he was talking about if he only had 10% of the church or 20% of the church to start paying tithes, they'd be doing all right. How sad is that, that if they only had 10 or 20%, only had, to, just think of if 100% of the body began to just bring their tithes into the storehouse. Just bring it in. How awesome it would be, how, how much God could do the last thing that, that he talks about is the arrogant words. In chapter 3 and 14, he says, You have said it is futile to serve God. 
what do we gain by carrying out his requirements? You know, I think that, that there are a, 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 a big portion of people who just have fire insurance. They've only come to God because they said, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn. So I'm going to turn. If I don't turn, I might burn. But what if there was no hell? How many people would walk out the doors this morning? Would walk out the doors because they say, well, there's no hell. I'm not going to burn. There's no, there's no consequence. You know, when I was in the world, I thought I was having fun. I thought I was experiencing some things. But you know, when I came to Christ and my eyes were open, I looked back and I said, what was I so caught up on? What was I so wrapped up on? You know, God's trying to raise up a church that loves him for him, not loves him because he's saving them from something. Yes, we are going to be saved from hell, but what are we saved to? God is just saving us so that we can be in relationship with him. God is saving us so that we can, we can know his love and have this love relationship with him and experience him. That's that abundant life that Jesus was talking about. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant, more abundant life, more blessings in your life. God wants to pour it out in his body. But we got to get away from that. That grass is greener. That this is fruitile. There's no point to serving God except to escape hell. We got to get away from that. God is, God is calling that out in the body. You know, it's like, uh, it's like Elijah. When he's on, on the mountain and he, he's challenging the prophets of Baal. And he, he's challenging the people. And he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long? How long? If God is God, then you serve him. If Baal is God, then go, go ahead and serve him. Yeah. But what happened? If Baal was God, he would have answered with fire. People were over there jumping around, dancing around, cutting themselves. And, and Elijah saying, well, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he's just away from the desk. Maybe he just doesn't hear you. Maybe he went to the bathroom. Okay, maybe not. He said, if God is God, then serve him. If Bell is God, if this world is God, then serve it. If TV is God, then serve it. If movies, if movie stars are God, then serve them. If our president is God, then serve him. But if God is God, then serve him. God is calling it out in the body. It's amazing how in, uh, uh, whenever God is calling something out in the body, how, how uh, whenever the people go crazy and they start forgetting the promises of God and they, they start going off on their own serving idols, how God always has a remnant yeah. of faithful people. Remember Elijah? He said, I'm the only one left. Yeah. God said, no, I have prophets that, that you don't know about. I got, I got a reserve. I got some Elishas out there. Now all you have to go do is just go by and throw your mantle on him and he'll follow. You see, God is calling out the Elisha generation to, to, to pick up the mantle. But he's also calling out the Elijahs to go and pass down the mantle. You're going to have to go. He's calling out the Elijahs in this body to go and throw that mantle down on them. You might throw it on them and walk away just to see what they're going to do. And if they follow. You, you know what's amazing in that story that I love is how Elijah keeps telling him, no, well, you, you stay here 
And then I'm going to go over here and, and uh, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to do this. Da, da. And, and Elisha's like, heck no, I ain't staying over here. I'm following you. And then again, he said, well, no, you stay here. I'm just going to go. He was testing him to see his dedication. And I believe that the Elisha generation is not just going to sit back and say, okay, well, I'm going to wait till someone taps me on the shoulder and says, step up and be an assistant or or step up and do this. No, the Elisha generation is going to follow and say, no, 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 I'm not staying over there. I'm I'm following you. I'm following the man of the Lord. I'm following the man with the plan. I'm following the man with the anointing because I want that. See, in this house... There's a true anointing. There is a true spirit of the Lord in this house. There is a true spirit of Elijah in this house. And the Elishas see that. They see truth. They see see the genuine move of the Lord every Sunday. They say, I want that. I want that anointing. And they're going to go after it. They're going to seek it. And then God's going to raise them up as prophets. You wait wait and see. God's going to raise up some young prophets in this body. God's going to raise it up. I just feel that in my spirit, in my heart. As God was sharing this with me, I felt like he was saying he's going to raise up some Elishas in this body. But he's also challenging this body to be Elijah. Elijah with the mantle, with the anointing. He says in in 4 or 3 and 16, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. How many of you have gotten together and talked with each other? I said, look what the Lord has done. Look at, look at his faithfulness. Look at his goodness. Look at how much he's blessing us. And you get together and you just begin to share what the Lord's doing in your life. You come to, past, you come to pastors and say, God has done this in my life. I just want to share it with you. I just want to tell you what God is, God is doing. You just start, begin to talk. And God sees that. God sees that. And you know what he says? He says, uh, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son. And you again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. You see, there is a distinction in this house. There is a dis- Me and my wife, we've been to many churches. We've been to some good churches. And we've been to some not so good churches. One Sunday we were at a, at a Presbyterian church. There was about four or five hundred people in the service and we got there late so we had to sit in the back and we're sitting in the back of the service and the worship was going and it was good and we look around and there's about 10 people 20 people maybe in the whole house with their hands lifted up we look around we're like what there was uh, uh, some people talking in front of us to each other it was crazy but there's a distinction in this house. Where when you walk into this house, you say this house is, is powerful. There's some righteous people in this house. There's a distinction in this body. And God sees it. God sees the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those that do not. There's a lot of people who, who say that they serve God, but they don't. They serve themselves. It's for themselves. It's for me. 
It's for me. I'm going to get mine. Yes, I might pay some tithes and some offerings, but it's just to get mine because I want to get that Bentley, because I want to get that, that, uh, that new car. I want to get that new house. I want to get this. I want to get that. So I'm going to sow my seed so that I could get my seed back. And there's preachers who are praying on that, who are saying, look, if you sow into this ministry, God's going to give. If you, if you give to me, God's going to give to you. And there's all these people following around saying, I'm going to give so that I could get. God's trying to do away with that in the body. God's trying to take that out of the body. That does not belong in God's house. And I believe that that's not in this house. He goes on to say in Malachi 4 and 2, and you could follow along, but for you who reserve my, uh, revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Any of you know how to frolic? You're going to frolic like well-fed calves. You've just gotten fed. You just went to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Just got a nice juicy steak. And you just go out and just frolic. Anybody know how to frolic in the house? God's calling you to frolic in the house. I don't even know what frolic means. but Then you will trample on the wicked. See, when, when God is calling out some things in his body and he raises up a standard, yeah. he raises up some people of God that fear him. Yeah. He raises up some precious saints of God. Yeah. He calls you to trample on the wicked. There's a lot of wicked people out there. There's, there's a lot of wicked people in the church. Mm-hmm. But this church will be marked by its service to the Lord. This church will be marked by its fear of the Lord. This church will be marked by the spirit of Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah. Verse 5, he says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. You guys catch that, Elisha, Elijah. Elisha, Elijah. God is turning those hearts of those children to their parents, to their father. God's raised up some fathers in this place. And he's raising up some sons in this place. This church will be marked by love. You know, the people questioned whether God loved them. Well, how do you love us? There's a lot of people out there seeking signs and wonders because they want to know, God, well, how do you love us? Show us a sign. Wicked and perverse generation that seeks after signs and wonders. You know how we know that God loves us? Because he laid down his life. Because he died on the cross. And if we don't believe that, then we are not saved. But if we believe it, then we know the Father's love. If we believe that he got on the cross. You know, I've always thought, man, as he was going to the cross, at any moment, it could all have been over. Angels, boom. Wiped them all away. He wouldn't even have to call angels. 
He could have just thought it, and they all just dropped down, and he walked away. Remember, as they went to throw him off the mountain, it says that he just turned around and walked through the crowd. If you were in that crowd getting ready to throw Jesus off the mountain, you got him by the, by the arm, and you're right at the edge of the mountain, what would you be thinking? You see Jesus just walk right through, and you're sitting there dumbfounded, like, look at him go. There he goes. He just walked right through the crowd. That's the power of Jesus. That even in the midst of, of the wickedness, even in the midst of them getting ready to throw him off the mountain, yeah. it wasn't nothing for him to just walk around and walk away. Yeah. Right in the midst of everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. At any moment, Jesus going to the cross could have walked away. Yeah. Could have just turned around and walked away. Said, I'm not doing it. Yeah. 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 But see, we see the love, not just on the cross, but in the journey to the cross. We see the Father's love in the journey as he's going to the cross. He says, I'm going I'm to persevere. I'm going to continue to go because I love my children. Yeah. I love them. I, he saw us today, yeah. and he said, I'm going to go because of them. Yeah. I'm going to go because of them. Yeah. We know the Father's love, Father loves us, and we're reassured of that. And in this body, this body will be marked by the Father's love. Yeah, this body will be marked by the reassurance that you know. You don't question. You just know it. Amen. You know it in your heart that the Father loves you. Yeah. This, this church will be marked by a spirit of excellence. Amen. Instead of bringing the lame and the leftovers and, and bringing the, 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 the remains, yeah. bringing the disease, who say, no, I'm going I'm to bring my best into the house. I'm going to bring my best into the house. You know, when Saul went and, and God told him to go and fight the, the uh, uh, Amalek, the Amalekites, goes and tells him to fight the Amalekites. And, and Samuel speaks to him. He says, God says to, to go and utterly destroy him. Yeah. Kill all of the, everyone, every single person. Kill the king. Kill their livestock. Kill the chickens. Kill the dogs. Yeah. Kill the frogs. Kill, every, kill the gnats. Kill them all. Yeah. Wipe them out. Yeah. So he goes, and what does he do? He goes and he, he kills most of them. Yeah. But then he saves the king. And he saves all the good cattle. And he comes back thinking he did something special, saying, look at me. I, 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 we just won this great battle. Yeah. We just did this and we just did that. And Samuel comes up and he says, it is better to obey than to sacrifice. Your excellence will be held up by your obedience. When God speaks something, you won't question it. You won't say, well, I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this to give a sacrifice to God. I'm going to save that back so I could give a sacrifice to God. No, you will be obedient to the word of the Lord. When God says, go and wipe them out, you're going to go and wipe them out. Go and completely, utterly destroy them. Every, every single one, every single animal, every single frog, every single being that is in that place that God sends you, you're going to go and wipe it out and be obedient. You know, the third thing is going to be marked by the covenant. Mm. There's, a, there's, there's something that the enemy is doing in the body where he's destroying marriages and he, he's pulling them up. He's literally pulling them apart, yeah. pulling them apart. People are, are, are thinking that it's okay to get divorced. Yeah, yeah. My friend's wife came to him and, and, and said, you know, I want a divorce. And he said, well, how do you rationalize that? Well, you know, God's still going to be with me. God still loves me. God's not going to leave me. People are rationalizing divorce in the body. 
when Jesus said, I hate divorce. But you know, this, this church is going to be marked by your covenant. By your holy covenant. And whatever's going on in husband and wife's relationship, God said, I want to restore it. The enemy's pulling it apart, and I believe because there's such a big fight of the enemy to pull marriages apart, God says, I'm going to double down. I'm going to increase. The enemy's going to fight. I'm going to bless. The enemy wants to destroy. I'm going to bring back together. I'm going to restore. He restores my soul. God is wanting to restore some souls, restore some marriages, and hold them together. You say, how is this marriage held together? By the very presence of the Lord. By the very spirit of the Lord. And when God turns it around and you get to where you realize that there is such blessing in marriage, that there is such blessing that God has for husbands and wives for each other. My wife blesses me so much. And hopefully I'm able to bless her. My parents uh, had us, they, they said that they had been doing this for a while, praying for each other every morning. And they told that to us about, what, four or five years ago? And it's amazing how after we started doing that, really praying for each other, how God just began to bless our marriage, our union, our bond with each other, brought us closer together, our intimacy, our love for each other. And it's not this hokey-pokey, Philly love. No, it's a true, deep-seated love. I choose every day to love my wife. She chooses every day to love me. We have a covenant love relationship that God has brought into our marriage. God's doing that in this body covenant relationship God wants to mark this body by its giving it says bring your tithes and your offering into the storehouse bring it in and he says and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it you see that's not I believe That's not a blessing for the individual. That's a blessing for the body. That's a blessing for the house. He says, bring it into the storehouse and see if I won't open up heaven. See if I won't fill that storehouse till it overflows. God wants to fill this storehouse. You will be marked by a full storehouse. More than enough, an exceeding abundant storehouse that is overflowing. That is overflowing. And God says... What are you worried about? As you bring it into the storehouse, your crops are going to flourish. Your fruit is going to be fruitful. You are going to be blessed beyond what you could ever imagine. And you're going to say, I want to bring more into the storehouse. Okay, well, I'm going to bring more because it's not about you. It's not about you receiving your blessing. You will catch a vision for the house. You will catch a vision for what God's doing in the body. And you will say, I want to continue to bless that. I want to continue to sow into that. I want to continue to bring this into the storehouse. As God gives me more, I'm going to give more. As God continues to increase, I'm going to increase my tithes and my offerings and bring it into the house. There will be no lack. There will be no lack in this house. No lack. No lack. I'm not just talking about this house, but I'm talking about each and every one. There will be no lack. God's going to raise this house up where it will lack not. Where it's going to be overflowing. And the blessings are just going to come in and they're going to go out. 
They're going to come in as you bring them in, and they're going to go back out to bless others. It's a cycle. The last thing is you're going to be marked by your message. In Matthew 10 and 7, as Jesus sends out the, the disciples, he says, go and proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. That message, the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the same message that John the Baptist brought. God wants you to prepare the way. He wants you to go out and prepare the way and say the kingdom of heaven is near. He doesn't want you to hold it in, but you're going to get to a point where you can't hold it in. All you can do is share. You might be at work and all of a sudden you find yourself preaching to your co-worker and sharing what the Lord has done. You might find yourself in the street about to catch the bus. And all of a sudden, God just lays something on your heart and you can't hold it in. And and before you know it, you're sharing the gospel with them. And you're saying the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Let me share with you who the king is. Because the king wants to invite you into his kingdom. You won't be able to hold it in going to be marked by your message and it won't be a watered down message you know too many times i think what god is seeing in the church is this watered down message it's arrogant it's arrogant in the church in the body where we're changing the message in order to not offend you know when jesus started talking about how he was the bread of life and how he was talking about you have to eat his flesh and and drink his blood it says that many disciples after that turned it was too it was too heavy for him you know god's calling this house not to change the message it might be too heavy for some but god says don't change the message because the true power of this message where the kingdom of heaven is near that's what's going to save people that's what's going to disciple people that's what's going to change people's life that's what's going to transform emeryville that's what's going to transform the lives that are around this area the kids that are in this area the kingdom of heaven is near stay on message Stay on message. Don't change it. In Isaiah 49 and 22, it says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and set up my standard to the people. And they will bring your sons in your bosom and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. When I was in D.C. a couple weeks ago, we had a Thursday night uh, gathering, um, a lot of ministers from the area, uh, the two nonprofit organizations that we're going to work with, Kids Connection and Gateposts, their, their boards were there, most of their board members were there. But there was a lady named uh, Dr. Corinthia Boone that was there, and she was talking about how we're standing on the shoulders of those that have come before us. We're standing on their shoulders. And I believe that that's what God is doing in the body. And they will bring your sons in their bosom and your daughters will be carried on their shoulders. Standing on the shoulders. God is raising up those Elishas in the body. God is going to raise them up and God is, God is going to put them on your, your shoulders. God is going to put them on your shoulders. And he's called you to be a standard, a standard bearer to this generation, to the church of this day. God has called you to be different. 
When you come into this place, there is something that is marked in this place that is different than what you see elsewhere. So that when people come in, there will be true transformational discipleship taking place in this house. That there will be true people being changed for the glory of the Lord in this city. I believe that you guys are going to reach this city with the message of God and the power of God and not have to water it down, not have to change it, but you will be the standard bearer for this city. If you would bow your heads with me this morning. I believe that God is just stirring it up. God's stirring it up in the body in this house. God is stirring it up. God has just stirred it up in my heart as he's shared this message with me and told me to share it with you. The power of his presence. You know, when we were worshiping early, I just closed my eyes and I just pictured myself in the throne room. I could just picture God. I could just picture the Father looking at to the right hand. Looking at Jesus on his right hand with a big old smile on his face. Saying, I'm pleased with their worship. I am pleased with their worship. you guys would stand with me this morning I I just feel like God is just is is so amazing in what he's doing in this body I just want you to lift your hands to Jesus right now lift your hands to Jesus right now lift them up high and say I submit I submit to your will God I submit to your power God I submit to your presence God stir it up in me oh God stir up that spirit of Elijah in me oh God raise up some Elishas in this body oh God I will go say I will go I will be an Elijah stir it up oh God stir it up oh God stir it up in this body this is the powerful house This is a house that is marked by love. This is a house that is marked by excellence. This is a house where you are bringing your gifts into the storehouse. And there will be no lack. You will not lack. And God is stirring it up in this this generation. Stir it up in us, oh God. Stir it up in us, oh God. Stir it up in us, oh God. I just want you to commit yourself right now. Commit yourself right now. Commit yourself right now to submission. Commit yourself to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Don't worry about him exalting you in due time. Just submit yourself to God. Commit yourself to submission right now. Commit yourself to the call of the Lord. It's God's work. It's God's vision. It's God's purpose. It's God's power. It's God's plan. And he's going to do it here in Emeryville. He's going to do it here in the Bay Area. And this church will be his standard. This church will be his standard. Will be a banner. This church will be an example. Stir it up, oh God. Prepare the way. 
prepare the way. Prepare the way, oh God. Prepare the way, oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for your presence, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for your power, O oh God. We thank you that you're doing something special in our hearts and in our lives. God, continue to stir it up, O oh God. Take us to a place where wherever you call us, we will go. Whatever you speak to us, O oh God, we will do. Speak it to us, O oh God, in this place. Speak to our hearts and change our lives. For your glory, O oh God. For his glory. It's for his glory. It's not for our glory. It's not for our vision. Don't put your hands on it. Don't put your hands on it. It's God's vision. It's God's purpose. It's God's plan. And God is going to see it through. God is going to do it. To some people this morning, he's saying, I've got you. He's saying, I've got you. You might look around and at your circumstance or your situation And you might begin to sink, but God says, I've got you. I've got you. God says, I've got this. You don't have to worry because I've got it. I've got it. I've got it all worked out. Work it out in our lives, oh God. Work it out in our lives. Turn the hearts of the fathers. The hearts of the parents, oh God, in this house. Just continue to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. And as the children begin to turn the hearts to their parents, God, call them to go after that anointing. I pray for the young people right now, God, that you would raise them up, that you would call them, oh God. Give them this desire to seek after that mantle. Give them the desire to seek after that anointing. God, give them the desire to be that standard in their schools, oh God. Give them the desire to be that standard in the playground, oh God. No matter what age, God, you are raising them up to be powerful prophets, oh God. You are raising them up to be powerful men and women that will serve you no matter what. No matter what. That would say, my God is able to save me from the fire. But even if he didn't, I will not bow. I will not bow. Stir it up in this body, oh God. Mark this body by your presence. I believe God is calling for some Elijahs right now. If you believe God is calling you to be an Elijah, to put the mantle on Elisha's. Will you just lift your hands? I just want a prayer, a special prayer for Elijah's. God is looking for Elijah's to rise up, to raise up Elisha's. Lift your hands, Elijah's. Spirit of God, right now, will you allow your kingdom power to come upon these Elijah's that you are calling in this house, God? That you are saying, you're not done. My son, my daughter, you're not done. Now, you ran a good race, but it's time for you to raise up Elisha. And I said, I just believe right now God is anointing you with the spirit of Elijah to raise up Elisha. And it has nothing to do with your position. 
I'm not an elder. Well, I'm not a lay pastor. I'm not a director. It doesn't matter. In this house, God is raising up Elijah's. So, Lord, we surrender our lives. We give you our days, our times, our everything. Will you use it to raise up Elisha's among us? We thank you for the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And just one more prayer. If maybe somebody in this room hasn't fully ran into the arms of Jesus yet. Maybe you haven't um, received the good news that he, that Father in heaven loves you. Just like Pastor Joshua said, on the way to the cross, at any moment, he could have just turned around and walked away. But he chose to stay on that journey, to go to that cross, because he thought of you. And if you would like to say, I want to receive the love of my Heavenly Father. I want to receive His love. I want want to walk with Him. I want to receive the price that He paid for me. He died for my sin. He shed His blood for my sin. I want to receive that. And I want to be restored in my relationship with God. And I want to to walk with Him closely. I, I want to receive His love. If that's you. If you want the salvation, if you want that restored relationship with your Heavenly Father, will you raise your hand right now and let us pray for you? Yeah. Anybody else? Say, I I want it. I want to walk with Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He wants to heal me. I believe He wants to make me aware of His love and His presence every day. Anybody else? Anybody else? For that one sister, will you repeat this prayer with her? And as you pray this prayer of receiving God's love for our sister, will you, in a sense, rededicate? You know, sometimes Benjamin and I, we, we need that, that, you know, we have to kind of rededicate our, our, our commitments to one another. Will you do that right now as you pray this prayer say Jesus I receive your love I believe that you are son of God I believe that you died for my sin I believe that you love me I believe that you are here and you will walk with me all the days of my life And so I surrender my life. I surrender my will. I give you my life. Take control over my life, Lord. Be the Lord of my life. I will follow you. I will walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, throughout this week, can we remember, man, I can't get rid of that that picture of Jesus walking with the cross to Golgotha. And that picture that he could have walked away any moment, but he stayed because he thought of me. Amen. Can you sit down for one more moment?
We want to bless Pastor Joshua and Ruth as they move the whole family, four children, taking them out of the school and out of the community, and they're going to move to this new place. These are inner city missionaries, and we want to take part in blessing them and being a part in um, that make it a little bit easier. You know what? We're with you. As we give this love offering to them, we're saying you're not going alone. You have this house covering you, praying for you. We're going to walk this out with you. Amen? That you will always have this house praying and walking with you. So, Father, as we uh, are about to offer this love offering to you by giving it to your son as he takes his whole family to Washington, D.C. We ask, Lord, that what we give, that you will multiply. That this family would experience your touch, your love through our giving, Lord. That they would experience the Father's love through this house. Will you receive our offering? We give it to him. But in reality, we give it to you. It's an offering to you, Lord. Bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.